Chapter Thirteen of Mountain Adventures in the Various Countries of the World. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Betty B. Mountain Adventures in the Various Countries of the World by John Timms. Parnassus. Castri is the name of a miserable village perched on a rock, like the nest of a bird of prey. It is also the name borne in the present day by the site of Delphos, the ancient sanctuary of Apollo. At a little distance from Arakova, ascending by roads where the cleft alone can venture without trembling, you arrive at excavations worked in the rock and consecrated formerly to the god Pan and the nymph Gorosia. A long inscription, all defaced, indicates the Gorosian cave to which access for horses was practicable in the time of Pausanias, who declares that he had never seen a grotto more spacious or more beautiful, but now a great part of it is filled up by water and ruins. It was at the Gorosian cave that Theodes, priestesses of Athens, used to assemble at one time of the year, calling to them the women of Phocis and foreign women whom devotion brought to Delphos becoming excited at last by their mysterious practices and for the time being in a state of delirium they then mounted the most impracticable paths and reached the highest peak of parnassus there lost in the clouds they gave themselves up to strange madness in honor of apollo some ruins of marble sarcophagi hidden under the vines which on this side cover the stony and rapid slope of the valley a subterranean chamber into which it is easy to penetrate the impression of the hinges and of the enormous nails of a door in the rock a door which closed as they say a secret road leading to the tripod of the sibyl some little columns sustaining the external vestibule of a poor church a basement wall which they regard as indicating the place of the temple of apollo in which the god used to be and on which may be read an inscription well preserved recording the decrees made in honor of the benefactors of the temple the names of several architects employed in constructing or enlarging it and the enfranchisement of a slave by his consecration to the god lastly all along the only path which traverses the valley niches of various sizes cut in the rock and in which the image of a madonna has taken the place of the rich oblations of the pagans this is all which is left to remind us of the existence of proud delphos no temples nor statues covered with gold and shining in the sun no longer any dances or games or solemn processions or assemblies of the people no amphictions regulating the destinies of greece no more conquerors eager to tear from heaven the secret of their future lives no longer any philosophers bowing before the sagest and truest device which the genius of paganism ever brought forth know thyself all has disappeared just as on the day after a fete the splendid scaffoldings the music the dances and the pleasure-seeking people are gone the pale and sorrowful sibyl seems alone to inhabit these sombre and desert places in a dream into which the imagination easily falls one sees her pass unhappy in her glory and in her involuntary science and conducted by inflexible priests who force her to sit on the fatal tripod where the god awaits her with his furies 
his delirium his tortures and his obscure lies this recollection is the only one which vividly strikes the mind when you stop at delphos all around are abysses half open and yawning gulfs resounding echoes rocks blackened as if by fire such was and such is still the valley of delphos if the riches and the magnificence destined to veil the terrible mysteries have disappeared nature is there just the same now as formerly the phocian who comes to dream to seek the shade or to gather flowers must pass over to the other side of parnassus in order to find the green and melodious forests of dolus some olive trees grow in the hollow of the valley at the outlet from which they become more abundant until they form a great wood on the plain which extends to the gulf in the night if you awake you hear the wind which comes ceaselessly from the sea and beats against the sides of the rocks making most lugubrious noises and yet at some paces from thence in the bay and on the banks of Crissa, the same wind sings or sighs in soft and melancholy tones at delphos it becomes a dull groaning a prolonged plaint which fills the soul with sadness and makes you fear when you listen to it that the ancient oracle may have recovered its voice in order to reveal to you the future which lies before you why gemenes voyage en grèce the greeks have placed the dwellings of the muses that is to say the source of poetical inspiration as well as the dwelling of the gods on the highest summits that where earth seems to touch heaven the muses haunted olympus pieria helicon and above all parnassus parnassus is one of the most beautiful mountains of greece on its snowy summits walked the chaste muses in their purity the summits of parnassus are often enveloped in clouds whoever saw liacura without clouds said lord byron this peculiarity agrees with the destiny which ancient mythology attributed to the holy mountain the poetical creation is a mystery it was becoming to envelop it in mysterious clouds among the greeks all inspirations were sisters parnassus consecrated the alliance of poetical and religious enthusiasm whilst the theodes celebrated there those dances which the madness of bacchus had animated the pythian seated on the tripod breathed in the prophetic emanations of the mountain apollo had his temple there in the place of which there now flourishes a laurel an emblem of the inspiration which does not die the muses bathed there in the stream of castalia which is still flowing and whose remarkably pure and light water is a charming emblem of the limpid poetry of the greeks ingenious in linking the natural peculiarities of places with ideas such as the fables connected with those places express the ancients had placed the temple of apollo at the foot of the peaked rocks named the brilliance pedriades which reflect even now with so much power the arrows of the god in their eyes the god of light and heat was the god of verse and they dedicated to him a steep and inaccessible peak the perfection of art is a warm and luminous summit up which no pathway leads and to which only the flight of a divine will carries any one above the site of the ancient delphos rises the double summit so often invoked by poets it stands over against the very picturesque grotto 
from which flows the spring of castalia monsieur ulrichs points out that certain latin poets such as ovid and lucan who were never at delphos seem to believe that the two peaks at the foot of which the town was built form the culminating point of parnassus whilst parnassus has really only one peak and that is true in every sense at least of the ancient parnassus one evening at drachmani finding myself at the foot of the parnassus and following with my eye the vultures which hover over its sides i recalled the famous line c'est en vain qu'au parnasse un temeraire hauteur i found an immense effort of reflection necessary to convince me that this proud mountain which stood erect before me bathing its rocks its firs and its abysses in the violet tints of evening was really the parnassus of boileau on the other hand i really found the parnassus which was before me in the ancient poets and above all in euripides and while gazing on those rocks glittering as they were in all the brightness of a southern sun i did not feel the words of the poet in the phoenician virgins at all too strong thou rock irradiate with the sacred flame that blazing on thy artful brow seems double to the veil below j j ampere la poesie grecque anglaise the route from the monastery of st luke at delphos turns along the sides of the kerfus zero vuni just where it joins the parnassus or liacura after ascending for about half an hour you come to a little chapel situated in the most delicious position close to a spring of water shaded by plantains there was probably here in old times a religious station for the pilgrims who came to delphos for the road seemed to follow the old route when once you have passed these ravines of the chain of the kerfus you perceive the entrance to the deep gorge from which old delphos was visible just at the entrance of this gorge high up in the mountain on the extreme bounds of the cultivated ground and at the foot of those snowy cones which give an imposing physiognomy to the frowning brow of the liacura appears like a vigilant watch the city of arakova some black pine forests seem placed near the edge of this sort of glacier like a dike intended to stop the invasion of the snows at the other extremity of this gorge also very high up at the foot of the prophyry rocks is the village of castri built on the ruins of delphos there remained still two hours on horseback to turn all the hills and reascend as far as to castri which one always keeps in view but in proportion as we neared it the sight became at each step more beautiful in the lower parts of the hills one has to cross short well-watered and well-planted valleys keeping in your eye the fresh valley of the plistus as soon as the top of the hills is reached the bay of salona the gulf of corinth and in the distance the mountains of the peloponnesus become visible going a little farther we found the sea disappear again and we were in an enclosure of high mountains and as it were isolated from the rest of the world it must have been a fine spectacle when on the solemn feast days the ancient processions used to wind away from the two opposite sides arriving by sea at Crissa and by land on the coasts of Arakova. From the time of first stepping on the sacred ground, the traveler passed over tombs. Some had been erected on this part of the route, just as a Christian of ancient days might have caused his to be erected near Jerusalem, 
or in the valley of jehoshaphat others have been brought down by the fall of the upper rocks whose enormous fragments lie dispersed around nothing less than one of those violent earthquakes which are so common here is necessary to precipitate them the tombs continue as far as the monastery of st elias at some steps from the monastery flows a little river which comes from the spring of castalia situate a little above on the right of the road a torrent descends from the parnassus by a fissure between two steep rocks the rock naplia and that of hyampia down which they say the fabulist aesop was precipitated by the inhabitants of delphos when it reaches the extremity of this narrow fissure the torrent is received into a short arched passage and flows into a square basin dug by nature itself in the rock but increased a little by the hand of man this basin which is about thirty feet long by ten wide encloses the celebrated fountain of castalia below the fountain on the side of a rock a hundred feet in perpendicular height are scooped out three niches that in the middle which is the largest probably contains a statue of apollo and the two others the statues of the god pan and of the nymph castalia a fourth niche placed on the right is shut in by walls and transformed into a chapel dedicated to st john which has no doubt succeeded to the harem dedicated to antinous the christian religion has all over greece established its altars in the very places sanctified by ancient feelings of reverence seated on a rock in the sound of the murmurs of this torrent on the edge of the castalian fountain which two formidable rocks shut in on one side whilst the other opens on to a deep valley a real solitude enclosed on all sides by mountains i could conceive without difficulty the impression of religious feeling which must seize on the imagination of visitors and dispose them to receive the decisions of the oracle j a bouchon la grèce continentale et la morée End of chapter 13